Good morning. Uh, quick question. Who had a great week at CIY Move last week? These people did, I think. Uh, so this is a Christ and Youth Conference, uh, and we had this group of high schoolers that went and got closer to Jesus, closer to each other, and uh, a lot closer to each other. You guys are crammed in there. Um, good for you, so. Uh, great, I'm glad you guys had a great time, um, and I'm glad you're back, because we've got some yard work to do, boys. Uh, missed out on some stuff, so. Uh, I love this weekend here in Cicero, the festival and all the things going on in town as we celebrate Independence Day as a community. But what, what I really love most about it is uh, seeing you guys uh, serving in our community, at our hospitality tent. We had a movie night, Thursday night, and multiple other things where I see people wearing their Cicero fam shirts, just showing love to our community in ways that I think is, is powerful and draws people in and lets people know that, hey, those, those people really care about us, they care about our community, and maybe if people believe that we care about them, maybe, 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 they'll start to believe that God cares about them and loves them and is pursuing them with his love. So thank you for all of you who are volunteering this uh, weekend. We've got one more day, let's finish strong today. And... Uh, you can take, y'all have my permission to take tomorrow off, okay? Especially Jenny. Jenny, take tomorrow off. Go sleep in, okay. Uh, I'm excited to continue in this series. We've been talking about paradox. When we read through scripture, often we come across uh, two different truth statements or things that are presented, beliefs, ideas that are presented. And when we try to put those two together, they don't seem to fit. And so we, in our, our Western minds and our Western philosophy, we're like, well, one of these must be false because these two things don't go together. But the more we dig into scripture and understand the nature of God and, and uh, really uh, how, how we're supposed to see God and understand our faith, uh, we, we can learn to hold some of these truths uh, at the same time and kind of go, maybe it's not either or. Maybe sometimes it's both. Today we're going to talk about uh, faith and works, faith and works, faith or works. And as we, as we dig into that, I just want to start by talking about a thing I think that we see sometimes in, in just in society and human nature that comes out as we interact with people, and that is sometimes there's an inconsistency between what we believe and what we do. Do you agree with that? Sometimes there's an inconsistency with what we believe and what we do. And when this becomes a pattern, it becomes a problem. So, uh, for example, if I were to tell you uh, at some point that I'm a, I'm a big Colts fan, love the Colts, Colts all the way, go Colts. Um, but then when the season comes around, you begin to ask me questions about like, hey, who won the game uh, this weekend? And, uh, you know, what's that quarterback's name again? And when I can't answer any of those questions <laughs> consistently, week after week, uh, you're gonna start wondering if I really am a Colts fan. In fact, you'll probably make a decision in your mind that he is not a Colts fan because Colts fans know if their team won or lost, they know who the quarterback is, they probably know the coach and you know, like all of these things and Adam doesn't know any of that stuff. This is all true by the way. Um, I, I like to think of myself as a Colts fan. I live in Indiana, this is, you know, it's my team. I know zilch about football and, and very little about the team. So uh, that's, that's sort of who I am. Uh, another example, if, if I were to tell you that, hey, it's really important for me to be healthy. Like I wanna be healthy for a long time. I'm trying to take care of my body. So mostly so that uh, some of you know that my, uh, my long-term goal is to be able to outrun my grandkids until they're 13, okay? So anyway, some of you are like, that's insane. I, it's, not, it's not your goal, it's my goal. So leave me alone. Um, so 
But if I tell you, hey, it's really important to me to, to be healthy, but then every time you see me like out, like you see me down at the fair uh, later today and I've got uh, Philly cheesesteak in one hand and an elephant ear in the other, and then you see me at Alexander's like every night and eating the double scoop of ice cream and you're like, I'm not sure that that guy really does care about being healthy because he sure doesn't act like it. In fact, you'll probably make a decision in your mind. Like, he says he believes in being healthy, but man, his actions sure don't back that up. There's a pattern, and when there's a pattern of inconsistency, it becomes a problem. So what does this look like when it comes to our faith? We say that we believe certain things about our faith, and, and then we live sometimes in a way that doesn't match up. Now, I wanna be very careful to point out that uh, human beings, even Christian, Jesus-centered, Jesus-following human beings make mistakes. We fail. And, and there are moments, we have moments when what we do doesn't match with what we believe. So what we're talking about here is a pattern. When there's a pattern, it becomes a problem. Uh, when there's a momentary failure, we repent, we get right back on the horse and we keep going down the road. When there's a pattern, it becomes a problem. So we say we believe in God, we say that we believe in Jesus. Jesus died for our sins and he rose from the dead. But what if we say those things and then we don't really pray? Like that's just not something that's a part of our lives. We don't really read the Bible, not sure where a Bible is. Couldn't know, don't know if I could lay my hands on a Bible right now. Um, I, don't really, uh, I, I don't really forgive people. Like I, I just kind of hold on to stuff, you know, hold, you know. If somebody hurts me, they're out, I write them off, dead to me, you know. And, and so what we see is this pattern in our own lives of our actions not matching what we say we believe. And when there's a pattern, there's a problem, right? This is really easy to see in other people, by the way, isn't it? Super easy to see in other people. You can look at other people all day long and go, man, their, their actions don't really match what they say they believe. I see them at church and then I see them on the weekends and I'm like, nope, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Uh, don't do that. Look in the mirror first and ask this question because it's, so, so we're, we're super judgmental and critical of other people when their, their actions don't match their beliefs, but we're in denial when it comes to ourselves. We give ourselves a lot of credit for believing without doing, don't we? Well, I, I, I really do believe in being healthy and I'll start eating better tomorrow. I really do believe that God's word is powerful. I really do believe that prayer matters and I'll start, I'll start tomorrow. And we give ourselves a lot of credit, but mostly we're in denial. So as we come to this question of faith and works, uh, we're gonna talk about is this an either or thing, but before we can get into that, we have to address something else about faith and works I think is really important that can be confusing and we gotta get this straight because I think the question, the way it gets presented a lot of times is am I saved by faith or am I saved by works? Let's ask that question. Am I saved by faith or am I saved by works? Because we come to scriptures like this in Ephesians chapter two, Verses eight and nine, Paul, the apostle who, who planted churches all over the place and had his life turned upside down by Jesus, he writes this to the church in Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. And we're like, all right, so it's faith. And then you flip a few pages down to James, the brother of Jesus, who became a leader in the church, and he writes this. So faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So you're like, well, James says works, and Paul says faith. I'm like, well, which is it? Am I saved by faith or by works? This is what we call a false dilemma, okay? False dichotomy, because the answer is neither. Paul said you are saved by grace. 
You're saved by grace. Let's talk about salvation for just a moment. I think it's important that we understand what salvation really is, where it comes from, what it looks like in the life of a believer. And this is gonna be like, this is gonna be like the seven-minute snapshot version of this. And so my encouragement is if this raises some questions in you that you do some digging on your own or, or call up here and talk to, uh, probably talk to Andy, probably the best person to talk to. And uh, he'll, he'll walk you through all this in a much more detailed, uh, detailed way. So here's, here's what uh, salvation looks like. Salvation uh, happens in three tenses, okay? It starts with the past tense. And this is what Paul says at the beginning of this chapter, Ephesians chapter two. Uh, this is the work of Jesus happens in the past. Uh, let's, let's look at Ephesians two, one, and then four and five. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Well, let me just pause there for a second. Uh, so Independence Day. All the people that are gonna be shooting off fireworks tonight and wearing their red, white, and blue and driving their golf carts in my way at 20 miles an hour. Um, <laughs> if you stopped the average American and asked them what the Revolutionary War was about, what kind of answer would you get? Uh -huh. <laughs> most people, unless you've watched Hamilton recently, most people have no idea what the Revolutionary War was really about. I mean, it was about tea, right? Wasn't there a thing with tea and they threw it in the ocean? I don't know. The farther we get removed from the event of our freedom, the less meaningful it becomes. The more we forget what oppression really feels like. And so Paul wants to remind us here of where we were before we were set free. You were dead. <clears throat> you were not just like sick. You were not just like you know, not a great, per not a perfect person and probably could do a little better. You were dead. That sounds pretty bad, right? So don't forget where we were. You were dead. I know, it's a happy, cheery uh, message today. You were dead. But this is, so we gotta get to this. But God, uh, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. This is, this is an act of grace that God stepped into our deadness and made us alive. And the work of making us alive was done by Jesus on the cross. It is finished. The work of your salvation was done by Jesus on the cross. It's finished. It's in the past. So this portion of our salvation, the work that is required for us to be saved, to be brought from death to life, that work is finished by Jesus on the cross. But then there is, a, there is a present tense element to our salvation. And this is our response to the death of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit working together. The way that uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians, he talks about um, that we are, we are those who are being saved. He uses this tense in the Greek that is an ongoing action. This is something that is, is continually, have, you are continually being saved. And then he tells the Philippian church to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's God who's working in you. And there's this sense that we have a response to the past work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit partners with us in that response to save us continually every day. Every day, we renew this commitment to say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my savior. Jesus is my friend. We renew this, this commitment every day to respond to the work of Jesus and the new life of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit works with us to transform us into the likeness of Christ, okay? This is Romans chapter eight, just all in there. Go to, go to that, read that. <clears throat> so there's this sense of this present 
salvation that is for purpose. We are, we are renewing our confidence in Jesus' work to save us. The Holy Spirit's working in us to transform us for a reason. Here's how Paul says it in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this present tense of our salvation is us daily renewing commitment to Jesus, the spirit working in us to change us for a reason, for the work that God has put in front of us to do. So that's what's happening right now today. That's gonna be what hap- what's happening right now when it's tomorrow and when it's Tuesday and when it's Wednesday. This is the present Uh, tense of our salvation. And then there is a future tense of salvation. And that is connected to the return of Jesus. And so there's a sense in which the way scripture talks about it is that that our salvation is not complete until Jesus returns. This is how Paul says it in Ephesians 2, 7. So that in the coming ages, so he's saved by grace, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So Paul's saying there's more. Like, yes, Jesus died for you and he rose from the dead and he gave you new life. And as if that weren't enough, there is more because the riches of God are immeasurable. So don't think you've tapped out God's grace because Jesus has died for your sins and, and rose from the dead. There is more coming. And when Jesus returns, and this is how Paul talks about it to the Romans, he says to them that salvation is nearer now to us than when we first believed, that we are moving forward to the completion of our salvation. There's a moment when Jesus will return and we get to enter into new creation fully for the first time. And this new creation, uh, part, of the, part of the distinction of new creation is that sin will no longer be a part of our experience. Right now, sin has no power over us. We're set free, but we still sin, don't we? But in the new creation, that, there'll be none of that. And we're not there yet. And so our salvation is not complete until Jesus returns. So we've got this past, present, future tenses of salvation. So are we saved by faith or works? The answer is neither. We are saved by grace, absolutely. You guys are a good audience today. So the question then becomes, what is the relationship between faith and works? Which is more important, faith or works? Yes, Yes, exactly. We're on it today. Yes, Right, so when I sit down uh, to eat an apple pie, which which is my favorite pie and my favorite way to eat an apple, <laughs> probably about the only way I eat an apple. <laughs> I'm not thinking about where the apple came from. I'm just enjoying this incredible, miraculous combination of sugar and you know dough and apple, and it's all in there together in just a beautiful way. But if you if if you force me to sit and think about it, I know that the apple came from a tree, right? Okay, I know enough to know that. It came from a tree, and if I had to think about it even more, I know that this apple came from probably a healthy tree because it's a good apple. I mean, it made it into a pie, so it's a good apple, and it came from a healthy tree, and that at some point along the way, someone had to plant that tree. They had to start with a seed and plant a tree and it grew into this thing that was tended and pruned and watered and cared for and that all of that together produced this apple that I get to enjoy in my pie, right? There is this connection between the tree and the fruit that you can't really separate. I mean, we can ignore it. We can pretend like it doesn't exist, but it's there. You don't get the pie without the tree, right? This is the connection between uh, faith and work. So let's, let's go back to um, Paul and James again. Uh, we try to put Paul and James as like 
against each other, but they're not. They're on the same team. They're saying things in different ways that we need to hear. So here's what Paul says. We read this verse already. Let's read it again. Um, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk with them. So Paul doesn't say that works are not important. Paul just wants us to get the chronology right, okay? What comes first? Freedom, then obedience, right? So when God set the nation of Israel free from Egypt, slavery for 400 years, and God set them free, and then they go out into the desert, and they get the Ten Commandments, and then they get to go eventually into the promised land. The order of that is really important. When did the Ten Commandments come in? Before or after freedom? After. The Ten Commandments come after freedom. The people don't, they're not told to obey the Ten Commandments, and then God will set you free. God sets them free first, then they're given the commandments, and, and then they're told this is what it looks like to live as people who have been set free by God. Same for us. Paul wants us to know the salvation happened with the work of Jesus on the cross, but now that you are free, this is what it looks like to live as people who are free. You were created for good works. Here's how James says it in James 2, uh, 14 to 17. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Good question, James. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it, is not, if it does not have works, is dead. Uh, I love this little illustration that James gives. Like, somebody comes to you in need, and you're like, here's the Christian thing to do if you don't really want to help them, is just, I'll, I'll pray for you. Let me pray about that. And that, like, obviously, I'm making a joke. It's good to pray for people, but if somebody needs food and you pray for them without giving them food, we kind of miss the point, right? So James says, your works and your faith are working together. Faith plus works. This is what faith plus works looks like in the life of a believer. I trust Jesus enough to do what he says. I trust Jesus enough to do what he says. Whether that thing is small, like giving food to someone hungry, or whether that thing is big, like what he says about Abraham. Look, look what he says about Abraham in, in verses 21 and 22. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. Abraham, at 75 years old, was promised a son. At 100 years old, he had a son. Many years later, God tells him to take that son and sacrifice him. And in this moment, Abraham's faith and his works go together. He trusts God enough to do what he said. And God lets him get so far as to almost kill his son, but he doesn't allow him to kill his son. His faith and his works work together, partnered up to demonstrate that he trusted God enough to do what God says. Here's how Jesus uh, says this. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit, right? What kind of fruit tree is this? Guys, this is not a fruit tree, okay? I don't wanna, I'm not trying to pull one over on anybody. Um, this is a branch off a lilac bush that's really overgrown in my yard. <laughs> so use your imagination with me and we're gonna call this an apple tree, all right? So if it's an apple tree, what should you expect to see here in a couple months? Some apples, right? 
if it's an apple tree and, and you, you, you go out and you've got an apple tree and you go out and there's, there's something horrible on there like lemons, what, what, what are you thinking about your tree? You're like, hey, th- this is not the deal we had. The deal was you're supposed to produce apples for my apple pie that I eat in October and now you're producing lemons, which, guys, would anybody really care if lemons never existed? I mean, right, okay, all right. I, I would be just fine if they just disappeared off the planet. I don't have a lemon tree, I have an apple tree. So the fruit matters. The fruit tells you what kind of tree it is. This is what Jesus tells, he tells the, the uh, people who are listening to him in Matthew chapter seven, this is how you know a false teacher when you hear one. It's because there's this pattern of inconsistency. Remember, when it's a pattern, it's a problem. And when somebody stands up before you to teach, this is why I do this with fear and trembling, and I'm you know, watching for the lightning strikes. Um, because if, if there's a pattern in my life of, of my belief and my action not matching up, then you should all walk right now. Like, that, that you should just be out. Because Jesus says, you know if fruit by, by its tree. Now, I hope there's some grace because I still sin and I, I make mistakes and, and I have momentary weakness, but I, I hope there's no pattern of that inconsistency between what I believe and what I do because Jesus says, you, you, know, the, you know the tree by its fruit, and if there's a pattern, there's a problem. So uh, what does this look like for us? Here's, here's what William Cavanaugh, he's a, a Bible scholar, says, if a person claims to believe in the Christian God, but never gets off the couch on Sunday morning and spends the rest of the week in obsessive pursuit of profit, then the functional master in this person's life is not the Christian God. So he would say that if you say you believe in God, but you don't do the things that a Christian should do, then the God you believe in is not the true God. If you say you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead, that he has earned the spot of Lord and Savior in your life, but you don't trust him enough to do what he says, then the Jesus you believe in is not the real Jesus. You've bought into a lie. You've bought into a false version of God, a false picture of his son. Because the fruit tells you what kind of tree you're looking at. So it doesn't do us a whole lot of good to say what we believe if our fruit doesn't match. Um, just a quick point on this. I, I, think, um, I think something uh, with community matters here. So uh, our apple tree, we, we have an apple tree in our yard and uh, it's not been doing well for the last few years because its friend died. <laughs> it had another apple tree and it died. Um, and since then, the tree has not been doing well. And, and we, we asked some people and they said, you know, they, they really need other apple trees around them to pollinate them so they'll produce good fruit. So we bought two more apple trees this year, planted them, and we're pretty excited about getting potentially some new apples on the original tree this year. And I think this is true for believers as well. I think when we isolate ourselves, from other people who believe what we believe, we become less fruitful. It's just harder. It's so, it's so difficult to do this by yourself. In fact, I'm not sure you can. And so we've got to be in community with other believers. We're not that different from apple trees, really. So just, just a side note, that one was free. So the question is, do you trust Jesus enough to do what he says? So I just wanna pick on a couple things that I think um, are, is fruit that's, uh, that we need to use to measure ourselves 
Please don't hear me saying that you need to start judging other people's fruit, okay? You can judge me. The Bible is very clear. You can judge anybody that stands up to, and dares to teach scripture to you. You can absolutely judge them. But don't go start judging each other based on like, well, I saw so-and-so doing this down on the weekend. I'm like, I'm not sure. Like, if you don't have a friendship and a relationship with them, you know, mind your business. Um, but we need to take a hard look in the mirror here and pay real close attention to what's going on in our own hearts. So this question is about, is about you, okay? So what does the fruit look like in your life? So what are some of the things that, it, that Jesus says do, and if I'm, gonna, if I'm gonna really be a Jesus follower and believe in the true Jesus as Lord, these, this fruit should be showing up in, in our lives. One, one thing Jesus tells us is to not store up our treasures in heaven, um, but uh, not, not store up our treasures on earth, right? <laughs> Andy always gives me the look if I say it wrong, so I got the look. Don't store up your treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal, but store up your treasures in heaven. He teaches us a way to manage our finances. He says, what we have is, is all a gift from God, and we're just stewards of it for a little while. Therefore, our mentality should be to hold on very loosely to our material stuff and to be very generous with it and to give it away. And when you see the early church in Acts 2 and Acts 4, man, they're just, they're just giving stuff away like crazy. Because this is what it means to be a Christian. We hold on very loosely. We're very generous, even when it costs us. So I just want to ask you this question. Does that, is that fruit on your tree? Is the, the fruit of generosity with, with what you've been given, is that, is that on your tree? We're going to hang our, up our dollar sign. It's backwards. That's all right. Because if, if you're this kind of tree and you're tending it, Okay, th this is important too. You remember the apple tree has to be tended. It has to be watered and pruned and it needs people around it to help pollinate it. So if you're tending this tree, then this, this, this should be fruit that shows up on your tree. What about how you spend your time? Some of you are like, well, you, you lost me at time. I, you had me with, with money. I'll write a check any day. You lost me with time. My time is very precious. Can't get more time. You can get more money. Can't get more time. What does that look like in your life? Because if Jesus is really Lord, then the way we spend our time is under his control, right? We, we do with our time what he says to do with our time. And there are so many like one another passages in scripture that you cannot fulfill unless you're willing to give your time to other people. And you gotta give people time. In fact, you know when somebody sits down across a table from you and just gives you their time and attention for an hour, Man, that's when you feel the most loved. That's when you feel the most valued. And if we're supposed to value each other, if we're supposed to bear one another's burdens, how can you bear somebody else's burdens if, if you don't spend the time to get to know what their, their burdens are? If we're supposed to be a part of building up the church in this community so that people around us see Christ in us, how can you do that without giving some time? Serving, volunteering, meeting needs, valuing others with your attention. What does that look like in, in your own life? I don't know if you can even see that, it's a clock. And uh, the, the last one is your, your relationships with other people. I we kind of stretched this one a little bit, but it's two people talking. I was, put this one over here. All right. Okay. So this, this is your, your interactions with the people around you. What does this look like? Is does the way that you talk to people, interact with people, think about people in your mind, is this, is this the fruit of somebody who trusts Jesus enough to do what he says? 
Because what does Jesus say? When someone hurts you, you forgive. When someone is different from you, you love and value them. This is the model that he set for us. Jesus, Jesus was drawn to people who were different. He was drawn to people who disagreed with him because he wanted to show them value. So what does this look like in your life? Do you have relationships with people that you, you just kind of, you avoid or you cut off or you neglect or you, you're unkind consistently because you've, you've got this idea or opinion in your mind that you can't get along and you're on different sides of important issues or something and so you just you disengage or you engage in an unhealthy way. Man, that, that's, that's the fruit of, of a tree that, that needs to be tended and watered and pruned maybe. So my, my question I just wanna leave us with is, is it, it, does the fruit of your life indicate that you trust Jesus enough to do what he says? This is the relationship between faith and works. Faith and works in scripture seems like they're two things in opposition, in contradiction with each other. But actually, they're both needed. We, we have to have a faith in God, a strong confidence that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead, and that without him, as Paul said, we are dead. We are dead. We have, we have, we have no hope. We have no future. But God made us alive through Christ. And he made us alive for a reason, to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. And when our faith in Jesus is tended and nurtured and watered and pruned, it produces some beautiful fruit that people around us look at, at that and go, man, I, I don't know what's going on in that person's life, but, but I, I, want, I want more of that. I want to see that in my own life. The peace and joy and purpose that come out of us when our faith is tended, man, it's beautiful. And it draws people to Jesus. So I just want to leave us with this question. I want to pray and then um, we're going to sing a a song as we, as we close. And I just want to encourage you to, to think through this on your, on your own. Maybe you can talk about this as a family and, and see what this looks like for your family. Um, but what, what, kind of, what kind of fruit are you producing? And does it, does it, is it really consistent with the kind of tree that you, you think you are, you say you are, that you want to be? Um, and just remember, there's, there's a lot of grace for this. This is what repentance is all about. If you find a, uh, find a problem, um, repentance gets you right back on track. So um, would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for um, this truth in scripture that sometimes we find a little difficult to wrap our minds around. I, th- I thank you for uh, presenting it to us in a way that, that draws us in and causes us to ask questions and think deeper. Um, God, I thank you for Jesus and the, the fact that we can have full confidence in him, that our faith in him um, will not be disappointed because he really is who he says he is and he really did what he said he would do. And God, I thank you for saving us for a reason, that you've given us a purpose in life um, that makes a difference to the people around us. So my prayer, Father, as we, um, as a church family, try to bear fruit that is in keeping with our belief, that you would be patient with us, you would show us grace, but also continue to move us forward uh, so that people can see um, the light of Christ in us. Would you do that in us and for us? In Christ's name, amen. Would you go ahead and stand? Uh, We're gonna sing here in just a minute. And I just wanna invite you to continue to um, do some self-examination and and think through the the fruit in your life and and see what that might look like if you were to make some changes there.
Um, but I also want, want to just say, if you, if you have any uh, thing that's on your mind, any decisions or difficult things that you're wrestling with, and you, you'd like somebody to, to walk through that with you, just reach out to us. You can text this number on the screen, or you can um, just grab one of our pastors after, after the service here, and we'd love to, to chat with you and walk you, walk you through with uh, whatever you're going through. Uh, but let's, let's sing and, and worship together and, and then celebrate.